I just prayed that I would be prompted to help somebody, not to be scared to share things that I'm not normally comfortable sharing. One in five women are attacked. Your savior still loves you. It is not your fault. You have got to let it go so you can heal and you can be whole. This is Single Glimpse, where we get to know our single ward sisters and catch a glimpse of the love our Heavenly Father and Savior have for each of us. I'm Jenny Devlin, and today I'm chatting with Jen Mantlow. Jen, I'm so excited to chat with you. I would love for you to tell everybody where you're from and go back in time a little bit about growing up. So my parents divorced when I was really young. Okay. And we moved, uh, not long after they divorced, we moved all over. Like I remember one year going to six different schools, maybe we moved a lot, but I was actually baptized in single ward building at eight years old, the January after I turned eight. So this is home pretty much. I did graduate out West. I actually graduated at the rival school of Jamie and Brayden Mon. And also... <laughs> Candace Steger. So I was a rival school for her too. So yeah. How funny. High school was in Utah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. And then what brought you out back out here? My stepdad took a job back here and was moving the whole family, but I wasn't ready to be separated from my siblings. I made the decision, which is a really hard decision for me to come back because I already had two really good jobs. I was going to Weaver State. Um, I had a bunch of families that had opened their doors to me to stay with them, but I just felt like I needed to be with my family. So I came back with them when they moved. So then once you got here, what happened then? Did you meet your husband here or how, how did that all work out? Will and I worked together a whole year before we ever met. Oh, really? Yeah. And I always think like that was almost the Lord's time for prepping us to meet each other. Cause I think if we'd have met when I first got there, I would have been too snotty to date him. And he would have been like, this girl is too churchy. So when we did meet, I had, I had been knocked down a few rungs and he was getting his life right, I guess. Cause he wasn't a member. So it was perfect timing when we met. I always joke that I think we would have met anyway. I had another path I could have chosen and he did too. And I think if we'd have chosen that, that other path, we would have met through the military. So I can't imagine anyone else being more meant for me than him. I knew if I married him, I was not going anywhere. <laughs> His family owns a, a retail store. You know, he's part owner in that. I knew what I was getting into. In other words. So. That's very cool. What fills your days right now? I work from, my hours are 8.30 to 5.30. I work from home. My kids are home while I'm home as a, a personal lines account manager in the PNC insurance world. Insurance. And I have like a little office area in the living room set up. The kids play. They basically trash my living room. And then um, after we're all done, we go, um, we do a quick cleanup before Will gets home and do dinner. So, and I actually just got my, uh, ISSA personal trainer certificate. So I've always wanted to do that, but it's crazy to me. Like right after I got that, the doors, the Lord has kind of opened. Like one of my clients is a certified personal trainer that works out of Nashville for a lot of the country music stars and things. And I just happened to run across his account and was working on his account last week, like literally after I got that certification. And so 
anyway, he, we're supposed to talk next week, but so just, what? I, that is so I cool. did not get that making a plan that I was going to make a career change, but I will say if that opportunity presents itself, I am definitely open to that. So I would love to talk about what got you into personal training. Cause I know you're a runner, right? Is that what kind of got you on that path? I've run since eighth grade. Like I've never not run. I think there was like the last three months of my pregnancy with my oldest is the only time that I didn't run. And that's because they were worried about me going into labor with her. But I ran until the day before I had both my other two kids. So, and it's not just that, like I, I fitness books and health books and podcasts and I've always been into that, like 25 years of it, research. And a lot of times people come and ask me for advice and I'm like, I feel like I'm, you know, not certified to give it, but I do know my stuff. So right. I will give it. I love working out. I love being in the gym and I love helping people where I'm at now, just in, even in insurance. So I know doing both of those would be like the ultimate dream job. And so I just kind of made the decision I'm going to go for it. Why not? I can't go to college right now because the kids with kids and work. And, um, so that's, that was the next best thing. That's awesome. I love it. I love that you just went for it and that it feels so fitting for you. So way to go. I'm excited for you for that. Do you have any tips or suggestions for people with their help? Or maybe, uh, if people wanted to start getting into running, a, you know, kind of what would be your best tips for that? Yeah, start slow and don't compare yourself to anyone else. Like your path is not going to be like anyone else's. Your body is not like anybody else's and do something that you like because you're not, if you don't like running, you are not going to stick with it. So, but if you like to dance, there are plenty of dance workouts up there. And I always say, try something free before you drop the money for like some kind of subscription or try the free stuff first and find what works for you because the best workout at the end of the day is the one that you are actually going to do and then set time for it because I get up at 4:45 in the morning because I run right when I get up because if I don't I won't get to run I'm not going to put all my makeup on and do all my hair and get all dressed and then go get sweaty right after work and I know that so if you know that about yourself you know, it helps. You are you, do you. That's the best tip I can give. Because there are some days where I don't want to run. So after I get off work, we have dance parties in our kitchen. And they're crazy. We get crazy in here. My parents gave my kids an axe throwing game for Christmas. We do that. I mean, it's not always about running. So you mentioned start with something free. The best one that I have found is Spit On. It's an app. And it's, if you don't sign up, it's totally free. It's people like me that would be starting out learning how to utilize their video and putting those workouts on there. It will set you up a program. If you tell them, Hey, I only have 15 minutes a day to work out. It will send you 15 minute videos every morning and a reminder every morning. Hey, it's time to do this. I have old DVDs that I've had forever. Like I love Pio. If I'm not running, I usually do Pio. Cause it, I will get sweaty, but you're not jarring your joints. I feel like running jars them enough. I don't need to be doing that in my strength training. Like don't compare yourself to other people like that. And I'm not talking just about workout either, like in life, 
I can remember even as early as when I first started running in eighth grade, I was with my, at the time it was my dad's wife. She got me into running and the 5k we did together was Nashville. And I remember there was this little girl, she was probably 10 and she finished first in the women's, like not the kids, the women's. I mean, she was hauling. And I remember saying to my stepmother at the time, like, I just, that's awesome. I want to be like her. And she said to me, no, you be like you and it will all work out the way that it should. And so I've never compared myself. Even when coaches would push like, Hey, she's running faster than you. I'm like, that's nice. Like I, I never cared. And so it's made a huge difference. I think I would not have accomplished as much as I have had I been comparing myself to others at anything. If you're comparing yourself to others, you're literally limiting yourself right when you do it. I would love for everybody to get to know you on a spiritual level as well. I feel like everybody has some sort of conversion story and I would love to hear your, your personal experience with that. Mine is very young. Um, I can't even tell you how young I was. My dad joined the church when he was 19 and he didn't come with us to church. I knew that I was supposed to be in church and we had a primary program. In my family, you didn't read your part. You didn't read your part. So I remember like rehearsing them with my mom as early as four. So I couldn't have been much older than that. I had been between four and seven telling my dad, I'm not going to go do this unless you are there. I knew then that's where I was supposed to be, but probably the most powerful impression was the day I got baptized. My grandmother had just helped me into my dress because there was an altercation in the parking lot. <laughs> and I was left alone. And I remember I had been told that my dad did not want to have anything to do with us. That was not true. But at the time that hurt and I didn't really know my dad that is my stepdad at the time. Like we were still getting to know him. So I kind of felt fatherless. And I remember sitting in that back stall, kind of feeling sorry for myself and thinking about that. And the most powerful, you don't need one of them. I am your father. Um, coming to my mind and just the power that it brought, I, I knew I could handle anything at that point. I had a heavenly father. I was a daughter of a heavenly father and I was royalty because of that. I always knew who I was. I always knew um, that I was a daughter of God and that I had a heavenly father that had a plan for me, specifically for me. And then I was probably 13 when I got my patriarchal blessing. And he made sure he reiterated that in paper. And it, it's funny over the years when I've had a trial or whatever, I have worked since I was really young. I practically raised my siblings, started at eight years old. And then I started babysitting for money at like 10. When I was pregnant with my second, the day before I was supposed to come back from maternity leave, they eliminated my position and told me not to come back. So 
I'm freaking out. I've never not worked. I worked at Lagoon at the age of 14, like right when they would let us work. Of course, I called my husband and he's like, just do your day. Like, I know you have this big day plan. Just do your day. And so I'm like, okay. So I took my kids to the movies, which was our plan. And then we, I went to the consignment shop that I used and this lady came out and she's like, they won't take these cause it's past their time. Do you want them? And I'm like, I would love them. Like it's hard to find size four shoes. I'm like, my feet are little, but she had like $50 dealers flip flops and all the clothes fit. Like they were perfect for me. And I'm like, what heavenly father? like knows the key to my heart is shoes and clothes and sends those on that day that is like this traumatic for me. But it's not just that it's, he has done that time after time after time. Uh, the day that we went paintballing on horses, I never got to go paintballing. Two of the horses got in a fight. I was already saddled up and ready to ride. And my horse got between the two and I got kicked by the horse. I did not go to the hospital. It should have shattered the bone in my left leg. It did not. I have let many a young woman feel the, the little nick in my calf um, where it's the bone is missing. Um, I got a blessing in the big lots parking lot. And the next day I was at church, not even on crutches. So just things like that all my life. I'm so overwhelmed with the fact that he is my heavenly father. And he shows me constantly in ways that are very personal to me. But at eight years old, I knew that. And even earlier on, I knew that we, that we were supposed to be at church and not just any church, but our church. I appreciate so much you being willing to share those experiences because I know they're very tender and special to you. What would you say is the best thing that has ever happened to you in your life? Probably marrying my husband. But even better was we got sealed for time and all eternity as a family. And that was probably the best thing. We literally got to be resealed like on our anniversary within an hour of when we got married. So that was pretty cool. That is awesome. Tell me about that process for you guys. He got baptized before we got married and he will tell you he knew what he was getting into, but I don't think he really comprehended. And it was overwhelming to be a new member and he he didn't go to church for a long time after we first got married but at the beginning I pushed him and I think because I pushed him I pushed him farther away than if I had to let him alone and after about three years in the marriage I I'm like you do you I'm gonna do me and you know it is what it is we got along better because I wasn't pushing we weren't coming home and arguing every Sunday or and I know that that that's a lot of part member homes, we feel like we need to push our spouses to that level because we know what we're missing out on. But I think sometimes we need to just let it go and let the Lord handle it and it works itself out. And that's kind of what happened. It just really all fell into place that, that year. Um, we had already had the goal kind of in the back of our mind. Um, our income was not where we wanted it to be, where we could pay tithing. We had differences of opinions on the fact, like I was like, pay tithing and then we'll worry about the bills. And he was like, no, you pay the bills. Um, and so there were disagreements there. And finally I'm like, just fine. 
you're the patriarch, so I'm going to do it your way, and the Lord's going to figure it out. And I got, uh, within months after I made that decision, I got a job that offered me double what I was making. So I took it. That fell into place. Our oldest got baptized that year. Uh, Will baptized her. So he got the Melchizedek priesthood not long after that. And then we ended up making a trip to Utah. He got to pick out all his temple stuff. And then when we got back, we got sealed. So it literally was like that whole year was just our family prepping. But no, it was, I would say, an 18-year ride. (laughs) So one of my young women leaders, when I was in Young Women, um, she married a non-member. And her testimony to us was, if we decided to do that, how long are we willing to wait? decide at she said because I'm still waiting 25 years now she's they've been married 50 years and she's still waiting how long are you willing to wait and I wasn't willing to wait but um I just I knew he was the one for me and I knew how good he is and I knew that somebody that good couldn't they couldn't stay away forever but yeah it was a long long hard road so I feel very blessed. Um, our temple ceiling room was full. We just, I made a list of everybody that was there. We sat down and, and I still have yet to write thank you cards, but I remember every person that was there and it just was so, it was so powerful. I know that there are a lot of people struggling with that battle with differences of opinions in relationships. And I think that's so helpful to know that, you know, Heavenly Father has got your back and just do the best you can and it'll all work out as it needs to work out. I love that. I think really turn the tide is me just focusing on me and not what he wasn't doing or was doing or, but when he was positive, I would encourage. But if it was something that I was like, I just didn't, just didn't draw attention to it. Like, I'm like, okay, that's fine. You need to work on your own moat. Like yours is a mess too. (laughs) Like clean it up. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. What would you say is the most difficult thing that you've ever gone through and what you kind of learned through that experience? So I, two years ago, made a conscious decision to leave those stories behind me. So it was hard dragging them back up. Our childhood was contentious. My mom um, was not around a lot. Like there was not a whole lot of adult supervision there. I did a lot of mothering. I have nine brothers and one sister, and that was difficult. There were times where I would go to make my lunch, and all we would have is baby food. And so I would take baby food for lunch, which started a new trend at the junior high I was at, um, because I was really skinny. And it wasn't because I was eating baby food for lunch. It was because I ran all the time, but that's fine. They thought I was on this baby food diet, and I was so skinny. And so it, it made it easier for me to do it. Uh, that was difficult. And then um, when we moved back here, I was in a relationship that um, I did get engaged right when I moved back here. Um, the boy said he was a return missionary. He was not a return missionary. Um, he was excommunicated not long after we br- uh, broke up. I actually broke up with him at a restaurant that I worked at. and He threw the table across the restaurant. And luckily the manager, like I'm the manager's little Jen. And he's like, yeah, you're out, dude. Get away from her. Don't ever talk to her again. I had to get an order of protection. Um, but that being said, there was one particular night that I'm not going to go through the details, but it was 
very hard for me. I had never been with a man and I did not want to be at that point. And that was very hard because I felt dirty and guilty. And uh, that same night I actually rolled my car in a ditch and I, I could smell it burning. I don't know how my seatbelt got undone. I remember hearing someone whisper, close your eyes and pretend to sleep. And a car pulling up at the vehicle that I was at, I could smell it burning. And I did what I was told and someone stopped and checked. And I, to this day, know it was that guy to make sure that I was dead in the car. And then he drove off and my seatbelt was undone. And I was able to get out of the car, but the greatest, every single one of my trials have great blessings with them. The house across the street, the only house across the street heard the screeching of the tires and the crash. And they were waiting on the front porch to see if someone would come. And when I got to the front porch, they knew, personally knew my uncle and had their, his cell phone number in their, like, his phone number programmed in their cell phone and they were able to call him and get help out to get my car out of the ditch and check me over make sure I was okay the lady was a nurse had been a nurse for, was a retired nurse she'd been a nurse for 50 years the guy could not believe that I walked away from it with no not even a scratch and um, I know the Lord was protecting me both during the crash and even now during the events that went on before the crash I was confronted by that person after shortly after Will and I had started dating we were at a church dance and that person showed up and I couldn't remember seconds after I said what I said but he left and we've never seen him since or heard from him since I hope I never have to I have forgiven him and let it go it's something that happened in my life I don't share it very often, but it, it affected a lot of the decisions that I made after that. I took several self-defense classes. I now have my conceal and carry. I will not ever be a victim again. And I hope my children never have to go through anything like that. But if they do, I don't ever want them to feel like I felt. I don't want them to feel like it's their fault or that they did something wrong because for months I felt that way afterwards and even years after that. It, it took years. And even when I thought I was all better, when we had trouble having my children, so it took us nine years to get pregnant with our first. I shouldn't say nine, probably five years to get pregnant with her because we didn't really try it at the beginning. Um, we eloped. We didn't want people thinking we eloped because I was pregnant. So we waited a long time. A very long time to keep it. <laughs> Four years before we even decided to have kids. So, but when we weren't getting pregnant for the longest time, I thought that that was, there were things that I, I was like, well, maybe it's because of this that happened. And so I would blame myself a lot. And that was very, very difficult. Not being able to have children when all of my family popped them out like, <laughs> like they're nothing. Most of my family members that are my age have five to eight children. <laughs> so it was very hard for me. And then when 
was born, the doctor was not paying attention and they about lost us both. And so she told us both like seconds after he was born, she doesn't need to have any more kids. It will kill her. And uh, my husband, my husband, this is why he is the best thing was like, whose idea do you think this was in the first place? Like not my idea. She wants like 12 more. What do you tell her? <laughs> Like, uh, I'm going to leave the room so that when you get punched, I'm not, (laughs) but it, it just like literally just broke me inside, I think for the longest time. So those three things, um, have kind of made me, made me who I am. A lot of it, it made me hard to open up for the longest time. And a friend of mine was like, if you don't open up, then somebody else has to experience what you experienced for them to open up, to share their story. And it just, it made me more knowing I would help other people makes it easier for me to share. Otherwise I would not share. (laughs) I mean, because we're so, things are so good right now. I mean, I know COVID and all things are so good. Like they're so good with Will and my kids and like that is not my focus, but when I look back on those things, there are people that are going to go through that. One in five women are attacked in your local Walmart parking lot between the hours of 5 p.m. and 10 p.m. One in five. It may not get as far as it did for me, but it still happens. I polish up really good. I'll put it that way. I am polished. Hair and makeup. I think a lot of times we see the polish side and we don't see what what kind of scrubbing had to be done to polish us. (laughs) Wow, you are a survivor. You're incredible. Thank you for sharing that and opening up about your story. If you could give any advice to somebody who has gone through that and is really holding that tight, what would that be? Your savior still loves you. It is not your fault and you need to let it go because not for them, not for them. They will get theirs, but for you, you have got to let it go so you can heal and you can be whole. The Lord will bless you anyway, but there's so much more out there than holding on to that. Do you have a favorite story from the scriptures that you feel inspired to share? So my favorite story is the Stripling Warriors. It's about guys, but I grew up with all like nine brothers. Okay. And they all think they're the stripling warriors. My brothers are like, they love swords and they like guns and they like, they are boys through and through. So whenever we would like do that story, we'd act it out as a child. And that growing up was kind of our, I don't want to say a motto, but my brothers are all going to be Captain Ronai's, you know, and they are, they're, I love my brothers. They're amazing. They've turned out to be amazing men. My brother Jared is the young men's president in his ward, and he's like, I'm just raising stripling warriors. It's kind of a theme for our family. Like, we're even though there's two girls, we're we are, we're we look at ourselves like stripling warriors. Anyway, that stripling warrior story carried over as a mother, too. Like, I want to be the kind of mom that they had. Can you think of a time when a specific prayer was answered for you? I know you've talked about a lot of them. Probably when I was trying to decide on whether or not to marry Will, I knew he was perfect for me from our second date, but he wasn't a member and I didn't want what my parents had when they, cause my dad didn't come. And I, I remember that and I didn't want that. He 
when he joined the church, I'm like, okay, like this is going to be great. And I prayed about it and I, I still got to, you need to wait. And I'm like, I don't want to wait. But I went out West when my brother was going on his mission and I was his escort through the MTC and Will was planning on proposing to me when I got back and I, I kind of knew, but I wasn't sure. And so that was my focus while I was there was praying about that being away from him. He literally would have to call and talk to my cousin, Angie. This was before we had like cell phones, like all the time. Cause she just liked the way he sounded. Cause he's so country. And so he would literally talk to her for 45 minutes just to talk to me for like another 15. And I remember working out with my cousin and she was like, Oh, I'm going to hook you up on this hot date today. Like, like fine. They had hooked me up on a hot date every day that while I was out there and it had been a train wreck, every single one of them. And one of them, I had to call and have them come get me because <laughs> the guys like found one of his girlfriends from wherever and just left with her. Like I had no way to get home and I had to call them coming. Anyway, I'm like, you people hook me up with train wrecks. This is not winning the Jen should marry a Utah Mormon guy and move out here is not winning that you're losing bad. <laughs> so every afternoon, it seemed like I had this, a date, a hot date. <laughs> and I remember being on this particular hot date and the guy didn't get the door. Like he just walked in and I'm like, what? Like, this is not how this is supposed to happen. And I got the door and we get in there and he's like, you're paying for yourself, right? Like after I ordered and I'm like, yeah, like, I'm not going to tell him. No, I this is a date. You're supposed to pay. But while I was on that date, it was a very powerful. I know Will's not a member yet, but he is everything that you want. It was so funny because we were walking back out and the door had shut in my face on the way out of the restaurant. And I just stood there and looked at the door for a minute and it was so powerful. Like, why are you even on this date? You know, you're supposed to be with Will. And I was like, noted. I'm telling her no to whatever hot date she's got hooked up for tomorrow. I can't anymore. <laughs> and when I got off the flight, so funny, there's a guy basically beating up the flower. You know how they have like where you can buy the flowers at the airport and the vending. He's like beating the tar out of that thing. Cause it, it was Will. He took his money and he was trying to get me flowers. <laughs> and I'm like, see, this is how it's supposed to be. And then of course he got the door at the truck and then he gets in the truck and he's like checking all his pockets. I'm like, what are you doing? We're, we need to go. These people are waiting to get in this spot. And he's like, and finally he just throws up his arms. Like, he's like, I know this is in the truck somewhere. Anyway, he proposed to me right there in the parking lot because he's like, I'm going to lose it. I, I can't just wait another minute. It just, it was, and it was really quiet in a shrug. It was just so powerful. Like, like I knew I was supposed to say yes. We did try to plan a wedding and have a wedding to invite the whole family to, but my, some of my family's being really nasty about us not getting filled in the temple and his mom, I love her. She's like the ultimate Southern belle one of the ultimate Southern Belle wedding. And I'm like, I can't even walk this train. Like, I'm not doing this. I can't do this. Uh, he had come and brought me lunch. And he's like, I really just want to get married to you. And I'm like, I really just want to get married to you. I'm tired of all this mess. Like I already had bridesmaids dresses bought. Flowers were picked out. Like 
I'm like, Liberty Weekend's next weekend. If I can find a dress that I can walk in, do you want to just go get me? <laughs> and he's like, let's do it. Let's just do it. And the lady that I worked with at the time, her name was Donna, said, oh, good. I'm so glad you guys finally decided this. Here's a website. They do the wedding and they have chalets and you can just stay the whole week. And I'm like, how long have you been waiting to say that? And I got online. It was 2002 and we were at the library and was like, we picked a chalet. We basically, our wedding, the week in the chalet and all of our activities, because we did go-karts and stuff, was a thousand bucks. What? Yeah, my dress too. We found my dress on the clearance racket dealers. It had a wine stain all the way up the front, which I got out. Wow. Yes, I got my dress for 250 bucks, I think. I no train, and I wore white tennis shoes. It was the best. We spent the week getting kicked out of go-kart places and hiking up Clingman's Dome at, uh, in Gatlinburg. That's where we're at. So. Oh, fun. That's yeah. so cool. Uh, okay, so the last thing I wanted to talk to you about, I know we chatted a little bit before, that you are Southern. You have all these yummy Southern recipes. <laughs> I still want to get like all of them, but is there one in particular that is like the recipe your family uses in uh, the like that we eat every two weeks? It's so yes, we do. I actually asked my husband if it was okay to share it because it is his great grand great grandmother's chocolate gravy recipe. Um, we gravy. Yes, we have biscuits and chocolate gravy about every two weeks. Of course, I make like eggs, so there's some protein in there and usually bacon or sausage with them because um, Will doesn't, he doesn't like a whole lot of sweets, um, but my kids love chocolate gravy. I have a really easy biscuit recipe that we use with it. It's like five ingredients and then, um, but my chocolate gravy is one stick of butter, one cup of sugar, three tablespoons of cocoa, three tablespoons of flour, the stick of butter, you just throw it in the pan and let it, while well, I mix all the dry ingredients together and I have them ready. And then I pour two cups of milk and have it ready to go in because it's just like making normal gravy. Mm -hmm. And as soon as the butter's melted, I toss the dry ingredients in, stir that all up and add the milk and just let it thicken. But yeah, it's really easy, but it's so good. We usually only do half of that. We half the recipe for our family because it's rich. It's really rich and you, we don't need that much of it. I actually make handmade biscuits where we roll out biscuits. Uh, so it's two cups of flour, a tablespoon of baking soda. I throw in like a pinch of salt. Um, I use shortening, but you can use lard. Uh, I have used baking grease, which if I've got good um, baking grease, I keep it in the fridge, but if it's older, I throw it out. So sometimes I will have to use shortening, but there's, it's a half a cup of shortening. Yes. A half a cup of shortening and then a fourth a cup of milk and you just make your biscuits, roll them out for Valentine's day. We usually do heart shaped biscuits and chocolate gravy. That's what we have for dinner. Um, and it's sweet like chocolate or is it's, it's not savory, right? Like a gravy. Yeah. Yeah. It's sweet, but it's like, it's like a gravy but it's sweet. Yeah. Mm. Is it a Southern, like, is that a normal Southern thing? I've never heard of that before. Or is that just like your family kind of does it? Uh, I don't, I've heard of a lot of Southern families that do it, but I think it's, it depends on the area. Okay. 
So like, um, I have friends from, uh, that are from like Georgia. They're like, what is that? And so they've never heard of it. But then like brother, uh, president Blackman, he, he's heard of chocolate gravy biscuits. So yeah, I think it just depends on the area and the family, but I do, I'm pretty sure it's a Southern thing. Cause I had never heard of it till I met my husband and I'm, I mean, I'm pretty much from here. So I think it just depends on what area you're from. Is there anything else that you can think of that you wanted to share or? When I was thinking about this and what to share, I just prayed that I would be prompted to help somebody else. And also that not to be scared to share things that I'm not normally comfortable sharing. When I was thinking about it and praying about it, that was kind of the promptings that I was, and, and it was very strong, like, need if you're gonna share it you need to share it and then you don't have to share it again jen thank you for giving us a glimpse of what our heavenly father and savior see in you printable recipes from this episode will be posted in the show notes as well as on our relief society social media pages if you feel inspired to be a guest on single glimpse or you just think it would be a fun experience send me an email to sangoglimpse at gmail.com. Our chat will be about an hour from our own homes, and I'll even give you some things to think about before then. See you in the next episode.